Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar, the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, and welcome back to Living Divine Mercy here on EWTN. Abortion and crimes against life, redefinition of marriage, transgenderism, removal of religious freedoms, indoctrination of our youth, socialism, suicide, and human trafficking. These are just some of the things that threaten our lives and, more importantly, our souls. But do you think God is not going to do something about it? He always does. And to do it, he has always worked through mankind. So what is one of the best ways he is doing that today? It is God's will for you to be a part of his mission to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, or you wouldn't be watching right now. To accomplish this mission, God has given you personally two great spiritual weapons of our times, Mary and Jesus, the divine mercy. The sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, which are God's manifested mercy, are the only way out of this mess the world is in today. The rays of divine mercy come from the sacred heart of Jesus, to which we make reparation on the first Fridays of every month. Then the next day of each month, we do First Saturday Devotion, making reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary for the blasphemies against it. Jesus said Mary's heart has two qualities, sorrowful and immaculate. Sorrowful means everything she did for him. She shared in Christ's sufferings. And immaculate means everything God did for her, especially in preserving her from original sin. Mary gave us the plan to defeat the culture of death that threatens the world and seems to be unstoppable right now, closing in on all sides. But in faith, we believe our mother and queen when she promised, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. In the 17th century, St. John Eudes began the modern devotion to the two hearts. His mission was to connect the sacred heart of Jesus to what he called the admirable heart of Mary. He was the first to dedicate churches to the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Then, devotion to the immaculate heart of Mary began to really spread after the apparitions at Fatima. Fatima began on May 13th, which back in 1917 was the feast of Our Lady of the Eucharist. A lady more brilliant than the sun appeared to Lucia, who was 10, Francisco, who was 8, and Jacinta, who was 7. And Mary asked for prayer and penance to never offend God again. She said mankind must abandon himself to God the source of love and mercy. Mary said to pray the rosary every day in order to obtain peace for the world. Then, two months later, on July 13th, after Mary had shown the children a vision of hell, 
she told them that various grave trials would be coming upon the earth. She warned of chastisement, but emphasized that it was conditional. Mary said these chastisements could be prevented through the Holy Father's consecration of Russia. But she also stressed that the lay faithful had to do their part. They had to offer their holy communions on five consecutive first Saturdays in reparation for sins against her immaculate heart. Our Lady explained this to Sister Lucia on December 10th, 1925, when she said, See, my daughter, my immaculate heart encircled by thorns with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. Do you at least strive to console me? Tell them that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation of those who, in order to make reparation to me, on the first Saturday of five successive months, go to confession, receive Holy Communion, say five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for a quarter of an hour meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. So why five first Saturdays in particular? Jesus explained this to Lucia on May 29th in 1930. Jesus said there are five kinds of offenses and blasphemies spoken against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. There's blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception, blasphemies against Mary's perpetual virginity, blasphemies against divine maternity, refusing to receive her as the mother of God and of mankind. Then the blasphemies of those who seek to implant in the hearts of children indifference, disrespect, and hate for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And lastly, for the blasphemies of those who revile her directly in her sacred images. Now, Mary told Lucia to make reparation for all of this through confession, communion, praying the rosary, and meditating for 15 minutes on the mysteries. Now, for some, this may be difficult. So Catechism 1452 teaches, if we are unable to go physically to the sacrament of confession, we can be forgiven of sins if we make a private act of contrition, as long as we have the intent to go back to the sacrament as soon as possible. The same can be said of doing a spiritual act of communion if we're unable to attend Mass and receive Holy Communion in the sacramental form due to sickness, handicapped, uh, or other valid reason. And if you miss this exact day, the first Saturday, however, Father Apostoli of EWTN, God rest his soul, said to do the devotions on the closest day that you are able to the first Saturday. Then, through this devotion, we can help in the mission to usher in the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mary's promise for those who do this is amazing. Tell them, she said, that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all those who, in order to make reparation to me, do these above conditions on the first Saturday of five consecutive months. And as most people will agree, we still, though, haven't seen the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. 
many will claim that this must be because the consecration of Russia was never validly done. Well, we Marian fathers see it a bit differently. Mary said we had to do two things in order to bring about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, not just the consecration of Russia. That was the first thing that had to be done, which we have no control over. That's between God and the Holy Father, the Pope. But the second request Mary had is for us to do the five first Saturdays. Perhaps there is still no peace because most of us have not been faithful to these requests of the first Saturdays of reparation. It really doesn't matter if Russia has been consecrated or not if we don't do our part of the first Saturdays. Please do these. They are that important. Our Lord's Sacred Heart is wounded, and, and that's why we do the First Friday's devotion to make reparation. And in the same way, Our Lady's Immaculate Heart is wounded, is sorrowful, and, and wounded by the blasphemies committed against it. So in order to make reparation for these wounds to her Immaculate Heart, Jesus established the First Saturday's devotion. So please join us, Marian Fathers, each first Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern Time on our YouTube channel, Divine Mercy, as we lead you through this critical devotion given to us by heaven. Now, speaking of Fatima on the first Saturdays, let's talk with my good friends, Father Gregory and Jean Zanetti from New Jersey, as they shed some more light on us of the importance of what Mary told us that heaven wants from us. Well, it's great to be here talking even a little bit more about Fatima with our special guest. We have Father Gregory Zanetti and his brother. We have Gene Zanetti, also from New Jersey. So uh, this is a, a great honor for us to have them with us. And we also, don't forget our other two special <laughs> guests. We have Francisco and Jacinta with us as their relics. So, uh, Gene, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit. Uh, in fact, you're involved heavily in uh, your own apostolate. Tell us a little bit about what that is and how does Fatima play a part in that as well as Divine Mercy? Absolutely. So spiritual strength is all about building athletes for Christ. I wrote a book about this and I do retreats give presentations where we talk about especially Divine Mercy and Our Lady, specifically our, under the title of Our Lady of Fatima. We know there's five forms of devotion in response to Our Lady of Fatima. You have an acronym for this, right? Yes. What's the acronym? CROSS. Providentially, it forms the word CROSS, so everyone at home could take up their cross, as all of us. C is C. consecration. Consecrate yourself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to, to Jesus, Jesus through Mary. Mary. The R is rosary. Pray the rosary daily. O is offer up our sufferings and our state of life, our duties according to our state of life. S is the scapular, wear the brown, brown scapular. scapular. Okay. And uh, S is the Saturdays. Saturdays, the first Saturday devotion. So we have actually every year at our parish, we do a, a parish-wide consecration. Also our, um, our family catechesis, they went through the, the consecration this year. So that's the first thing, just bringing them through the consecration. A lot of to times, Mary, consecration to, to yes, Mary. To well, Jesus. actually, to Jesus to through Jesus Mary. through Mary, right. right. I mean, saints have spoken, you know, tremendously on the rosary. St. Francis de Sales says it's the most powerful prayer, you know, obviously mm -hmm. after the Mass. Um, but I think, I think the most powerful thing is actually what um, Venerable Sister Lucia said, that she said in, this, in these last times that Our Lady has given such an efficacy to the rosary that there's no problem, whether it's temporal, spiritual, or, or even in, as a nation, that can't be solved with the rosary. So the other part of the consecration, when we always finish the consecration, they're enrolled in the brown scapular. 
Um, so, and then, and then explaining the tremendous grace. You know, Our Lady's saying those who die with the scapular, you know, are promised, you know. Now there's many Marian devotions. Why the scapular? Uh, so as Our Lady appeared, the, the mm -hmm. last Fatima apparition, she appeared to Lucia holding out the scapular, mm -hmm. and she took that as that, you know, we're, she wants everyone to wear it. In fact, that's what uh, Lucia said, that we should wear it. And I mean, countless popes have spoken about it. Saint, uh, pope Pius XII said, that is our sign of consecration. So that is, that is um, at the conclusion, that's our sign of consecration. Right, you know, I'm glad you said that, Father, because the scapular doesn't save us. God does, but exactly. it's a sign. I always equate it to a wedding ring. It's a, it's a sign of your devotion, and it's a sign of what you are in commitment. And, and, uh, and we are devoted and committed to Our Lady, getting us to her son. There's uh, the World Apostolate of Fatima that right out of Washington, New Jersey that you guys work with. Tell us briefly about that. Right, the World Apostolate of Fatima is a public association um, from commissioned by the Vatican to spread the Fatima message. So they speak on behalf of the Vatican authoritatively. St. Dominic prophesies that one day through the scapula and the rosary that Our Lady will save the world. And as Lucia said uh, in an interview twice, she said the rosary and the scapula are inseparable. You know, she said, you cannot live the Fatima message without uh, the rosary and the scapula. She said, they're inseparable. Uh, go back to the message of Fatima. How do we explain to somebody who's not as familiar with it, what does Mary tell us to do and what are we um, expected to do out of uh, her words, her prophetic words? And what, what does prophecy mean today, um, you know, for, for us, especially as Catholics? Right, so some private revelations are meant for an individual soul, and other private revelations are meant for many people or even the whole church. Uh, Our Lady said at Fatima, she's going to appear so that all may be believed. So this is, this is meant for all of us, and it's something that we need to do on our end. When a sufficient number of people fulfill Our Lady's requests, then the end of the crisis will happen, and we'll see the triumph of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. And tell us what that triumphal is. Again, I'm just asking now your kind of your personal opinion. What will it be like? What will we see? There'll be unprecedented peace, a return to Christendom, and there are many prophecies throughout the course of a salvific history that talk about a great monarch, a great pope. Uh, there's there, there's many different um, speculations and how it's been revealed. But mostly the conversions. Essentially, the greatest history of, of church of church uh, history. Yeah. And I know other priests in the past have said there will come a time where the confession lines will be wrapped around the corners again, um, which we haven't more. seen, and we're praying right. for more. So if Our Lady then in the triumph of the Immaculate Heart happens, will that be the end of this chastisement then? And do you believe we are in this chastisement right now? Well, go by Pope Benedict XVI, who said back in 2010 that the prophetic message of Fatima has not been fulfilled yet. How much worse have things gotten since 2010? Much worse. Yeah. So... We clearly haven't experienced the triumph yet, and when that happens, then we'll have a return to Christendom, and then we'll be in a, in a much better place in the world. What, what is it about Fatima that makes it one of the most important, if not the most important? Right, and the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith actually said this, that, Fat, that Fatima was unquestionably the most prophetic of all modern apparitions. This is actually the answer for our time that when this gets fulfilled, when enough people fulfill Our Lady's requests, mm -hmm. and probably a small faithful remnant that, that will need to do this, when a sufficient number of people fulfill Our Lady's requests, then the consequences of the chastisement will come to an end and we'll finally see the triumph of Mary. And that's what our Heavenly Father needs to do for us. Yeah. And Father, you tied this back to divine mercy in the first Saturdays too. Mm -hmm. Exactly, so again, God doesn't want to chastise us. 
And so he gives us, heaven gives constantly is, is speaking to us and gives us these great devotions, the five first Saturdays to make reparation. You know, it is, it is ultimately, yes, there's a chastisement, but it's a message of mercy. You know, as we hear in Scripture, God chastises those whom he loves. Yeah, in fact, John Paul II said the message of Fatima is the message of mercy. And so, that is turning to Jesus and Mary in trust. Right. And so um, how prophetic. <laughs> yeah, right. and, 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 and as I always like to say, and I said before, Mary's favorite word is if. These, right. these right. prophetic warnings are not set in stone. Because some people will say, well, why worry about it? There's nothing we can do. It's going to happen. No, it isn't. These are contingent. These are conditional upon our response. So, Father, God bless you for leading your sheep as a shepherd to doing these. And Gene, in your apostolate, we need men. We need these men coming back uh, to be the warriors, to be able to, to spread this message of Mary and, and, and such important work that you're doing. What the Catholics need now more than anything is a very clear direction. Tell me what to do. A great purpose and a means of achieving that purpose. And that's exactly what Our Lady of Fatima and the five devotions in response to Our Lady of Fatima is all about. That's what cross is all about. And that's how we're going to save the world. And isn't it amazing that our Lord chose Jacob, who changed, his name to, who changed his name to Israel. He wrestles with God to lead the charge for all of his people in the Old Testament. Mm. And now fulfilling this great prophecy, Our Lady would use another wrestler, Father oh, Chris. We got three wrestlers right, right here <laughs> to, uh, to be able to get this message out there. And what did God do when uh, Jacob couldn't get beat at wrestling? He said, okay, <laughs> go forward and get this message yeah. out there. So what a beautiful way to look at it. So, guys, thank you. Uh, God bless thank you. you. Keep up yes, the good work, Father. And, uh, and your apostle for the laity as well, Gene. So thank you, and God bless you. And uh, Jacinta and Francisco, pray, pray for, for us. us. Well, if you notice, Father Gregory and Gene and myself, uh, we talked about wrestling. So let's go to the scriptures as we hear about Jacob in the book of Genesis talking about wrestling with God. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Tell me, I pray, your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh on the sinew of the hip. 
Jacob successfully grasps for himself all that he wants in life. He tricks his brother Esau and makes himself rich. In his own eyes, he is a self-made man, but he is meant to be an important instrument in God's plan, and so he needs to be humbled and see the truth. When Jacob learns that Esau is approaching with 400 men, he is greatly afraid. In prayer, Jacob confesses that God is the true source of all his blessings, and he asks for protection. Perhaps he thinks that God will do what Jacob wants. Instead, God sends an angel to wrestle with Jacob, pulling his thigh out of joint. As Jacob limps away, he has learned that he cannot control the living God. All he can do is ask humbly for God's blessing. Do we sometimes think we have accomplished things on our own? Perhaps we also try to make God do what we want. We should not be surprised then if God sometimes sends us a merciful angel of tough love to wound us a little, humble us, and help us see the truth. It is for our good. As Cariel Houselander writes, the gate of heaven is so low that only a child can enter or a man on his knees. Hi, I'm Father Thaddeus, and as you can see, I'm in a different color. You've probably seen various Marians in a white habit, so it begs the question that many people have asked us already, which is, why are y'all wearing white now? Well, our founder, St. Stanislaus Papchinsky, first wore a white habit in 1671. He professed his oblatio, his self-offering when he left the Pierist in 1670, and about a year later, he changed his habit from black to white. The Pierist, much like the Jesuits of his time, had a black simple cassock and this sash, or called a fascia. And St. Stanislaus, because he understood that the charism of our community was to promote the immaculate conception of Mary, he wanted a color that would reflect her immaculate and stainless purity. Now, St. Stanislaus was pretty adamant that, first, this was part of the divine inspiration for our community, that this was imprinted on his soul along with the founding of our community. And secondly, he made it very clear to those who were with him as the first Marians that they should never change this. So then that begs the question, why did it get changed? Well, in 1864, there was an uprising in Warsaw, and at the time, Warsaw belonged to Tsarist Russia. And even today, we know that Russia is largely filled with Orthodox, and they don't always get along well with Catholics, and especially in that time. And Marians took part in various ways in this uprising in Warsaw, and so as a reprisal, the Tsarist government refused to allow any people to enter the Marians or to leave to do any ministry, which meant that by 1910, when Blessed George came along to enter the community, there was only one Marian left, who was the superior general unto himself. And the superior general made an explicit letter writing to Pope Pius X asking that Blessed George, given the fact that the state, the Tsarist government, would not allow any Marians to enter in the normal way, he asked that the Pope would permit him to enter in a clandestine manner without any external evidence of his vocation to the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. And so after the Pope's response, it was permitted 
that the Marians wear what typically diocesan priests wear, normal clerical garb or suit or a black cassock. Now, that was a necessary step because otherwise, our congregation would simply die out with that last Marian until Blessed George entered by permission of the Pope. Now we fast forward. In the 1990s, St. John Paul II wrote a beautiful letter on the consecrated life, and he suggested that given the need now in the modern world for visible signs of consecration, he asked consecrated communities to go back to their habits. So just recently, last February, the Marians had what's called a general chapter, and we decided by vote that we would go back to the habit from St. Stanislaus Paptinsky. Some Marians are still wearing the black as an imitation of Blessed George after our renovation with him, and others, like myself, want to wear the white habit in honor of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. But we have the freedom right, right now to wear both, so you'll probably see Marians in different colors. But that's why I'm dressed in white, and you'll see many of my fellow confreres dressed in a white habit. This is Father Thaddeus answering the question as to why are the Marians wearing white? When I saw this sign of divine wrath, which was about to strike the earth, and in particular a certain place, which for good reasons I cannot name, I began to implore the angel to hold off for a few moments and the world would do penance. But my plea was a mere nothing in the face of the divine anger. Just then, I saw the most holy trinity. The greatness of its majesty pierced me deeply, and I did not dare to repeat my entreaties. At that very moment, I felt in my soul the power of Jesus' grace, which dwells in my soul. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And remember, this Saturday, February 3rd, is a first Saturday. So we hope that you will join us in person or on live stream here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy for the first Saturday devotions, which we will walk you through so you'll do everything you need to do to complete Mary's request. Now, please also be with us next week for an episode on Blessed Michael Sapochko. He was the confessor of St. Faustina and somebody very important. And his feast day is coming up next week, February 15th. So until then, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>